0: Are you feeling like you can access more of your potential? If there are stories that you keep telling yourself or you keep telling other people about what you wanna do, but you're not doing it because you're holding on to all this other stuff or you're hoarding things or you're hoarding experiences or you're hoarding stories and beliefs about yourself because it can go beyond physical items, then that's something to take a look at.
1: Hello, friends. What is your relationship to traveling light and spiritual minimalism? Now, we are braving the idea of letting go in this episode today. And I'm so excited because this is somebody that I've been wanting to bring on to the Brave Table and he is live in studio. And I couldn't be way more excited to have this conversation around his newest book. He is a dear friend. We've known each other for years and I continuously learn so much. He is also the person that has inspired my new meditation and also redefined what I grew up with meditation in some of his earlier books. He is none other than the Spiritual Light, Light Watkins, and today, we are unpacking your curiosity, how to unpack your emotional baggage, and actually travel light. Light has been a nomad for the last five years. And In this episode, as I sit down with a celebrity meditation teacher, podcast host, speaker, and author, we explore his newest book, Travel Light, and his journey towards spiritual minimalism, what it actually takes, what it looks like in his day-to-day, and how even in the busiest of days, the busiest of times, the busiest of seasons, how you can actually add more of this into your life and maybe even bravely spark new horizons of adding a little bit more of a daily meditation practice, which, by the way, he makes so easy and he gives us a few tips and tricks in our conversation. And in this episode, we talk about chance encounters. We talk about dispelling common misconceptions around meditation, We also dive into differentiating between the inner voices to increase more clarity in our lives. And again, less is more. And how to develop mindfulness practices to actually unpack emotional baggage. And you guys, it's easier than it sounds. I'm so excited to bring on Light Watkins, who is a bestselling author. He's of four mindfulness books. Meditation teacher to celebs like Meghan Markle, Eric Andre, and a quick backstory. In 2018, Light gave away all his possessions and started living from a single carry-on bag. So there's so much that you're going to love about this episode. Without further ado, let's welcome Light Watkins to the Brave Table this week. Light. Here we go. You're here. You've arrived. I'm here. Mm. I feel very
0: grounded in this studio.
1: Yeah. I like the energy of this. Mm, And I didn't even sage you on the way in.
0: Well, you know, I am sage.
1: You are sage. (laughs) That is true. That is true. Every time I'm in your presence, it's like an instant calming to the nervous system. Yeah. So let's start there. Where did you and Traveling Light... And even just, you know, spiritual minimalism. I know you're known for meditation, obviously. Mm -hmm. Like, take us back. Where are the origins of how you started, even your meditation practice?
0: Wow. So prior to all of this, I was working in fashion. I was a model. Mm
1: -hmm. I was
0: living in New York City. I was living the model life.
1: The model life.
0: working out every day, going to the gym, going to castings, I had a couple of side projects at the same time. I had a board game company that I co-founded with a friend
1: Mm
0: -hmm. who was also a model. And that was fun. And yeah, just kind of dating, having fun. I was a street photographer as well for a period of time. It was like in my late 20s, you know? So just exploring different colors of life. And then I was working out in Equinox one night. This was the very first equinox in the world on 76 in Amsterdam in Manhattan. And I was doing shoulder presses and I saw these beautiful young women congregating outside of the group exercise room. They were all barefoot and they had mats in their hands. This is like mid to late 1990s. -hmm. And my hormones told me to go into the room behind them and see what's going on in that room. And I ended up in my first yoga class. No way. Yep. And through yoga which i started going to because i was the only straight guy in the room and it was just like you could you had to do it of
1: course then i started
0: going for the actual yoga mm. and then i started to get invited to meditation circles and i started doing that and there were no attractive women in the meditation circles so i was just going for the you were just going for the med-
1: your hormones weren't leading you
0: there no no no, no. <laughs> And then after doing all of those for a few years, I started dabbling with plant-based diet and just other lifestyle things that Mm -hmm. were interesting to me related to spirituality. And then my heart voice says, you know, it's time to give up this modeling thing and do something a little more purposeful with Mm -hmm. your life. And. I wanted to go to the epicenter of spirituality in America, which happened to be Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And my friend, who I co-founded that board game company with, had already moved to Los Angeles a few years before to get married. So I had been going out there visiting, and uh, and I just fell in love with it. So I moved out in the early 2000s, and then about four or five months after moving there, I met the man who became my like a f- official meditation teacher, my mm-hmm. guru, if you will. Yeah. And that's where I became a dedicated daily meditator. And I knew right within the first meeting of working with him that I wanted to be a meditation teacher. And about four years later, I found myself in India with him. Hmm. Learning how to teach people meditation, learning how to give mantras, and learning how to do puja ceremonies and, mm-hmm. and with Sanskrit songs and
1: yeah, all the sat songs and everything.
0: Yep, yeah, all the things. And then came back to my West Hollywood apartment in 2007. So this is like over 15 years ago, and I started teaching meditation full time. And then in 2018. After having taught thousands of people and given talks around the world and doing retreats, Mm -hmm. I got another inner urge to give up my two-bedroom place in Venice and to start to live nomadically.
1: Mm. So, I feel like that's when we met.
0: Yeah, that's around the time we met. Exactly.
1: Because you were launching your other book.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Blissmore. Blissmore had just come out in 2018.
1: Which, honestly, I loved because I remember being pregnant and delivering my son in your book. It was like in our room. Interesting. Interesting. And literally, and I'm looking at it and I'm like, you know, the contractions are starting to happen and I'm thinking I'm going to have this home birth and I'm seeing bliss more, bliss more, bliss Mm. more, just like flashing, you know, like right in my, like I have an altar, I have all of the affirmations and all my visualizations like up on the wall, but my eyes went to the baby blue book with the yellow Mm -hmm. and it said, it's like bliss more, bliss more. And so that was like my... I feel like maybe subconsciously you gave me a mantra. Um, (laughs) Bliss more. I mean, I ended up having Ari and Compton, which is a completely different story. Wow. Okay. Yeah. But so I just want to say thank you for that. Because I don't think I even told you. No,
0: I never knew that story. Yeah. It's interesting. I didn't know that you guys had a copy of the book, but it makes sense. Yep. So yeah, that shortly after that, and that was one of the reasons why I did it, because I had done this wanderlust agreement to give meditation experiences and talk about bliss more Mm -hmm. at a bunch of their events around the world. So I thought this is a great time because they're going to fly me around Mm -hmm. and put me up. And in between those, I'll be teaching in different places or doing retreat. So it's a great time to go nomadic. And I've been thinking about doing it for about a year prior So, I took the leap of faith, sold everything. And this was also a really intentional process of not wanting to get storage, not wanting to Mm -hmm. hold on to things Mm -hmm. in case I ever decide to come back to that place. Yeah. So, the idea was to get rid of everything that didn't fit into a carry on bag. Right. I got rid of all my photos, all my journals, all the stuff.
1: All your photos?
0: Everything, yearbooks, everything.
1: So, like, did you digitalize them? I
0: digitized them. Yeah. I I took them to a, a service that, did high-resolution scans of everything. Mm-hmm. So I have it all in my phone right now, and it's in the cloud, which is actually really nice because before then, those are images I would probably look at maybe once every couple of years. Right. You know, when I was moving
1: mm-hmm.
0: closets or something like that. Mm-hmm. But now I've looked at them so many more times because it's just, it's organized it's in. It's by, It's by. categorized. It's in my phone. So I've been with people and said, you know, I have a picture of you and I pull it out. And it's just like, instead of having to go back home, find out which closet it's in or under the bed, pull it out, all this dust, you know, <laughs> and then start digging through. It's like, who has time for all that? It's true. So it's a lot more efficient. And then I can share it with them right in the Instead of just showing it to them, I can actually share it with them. Right. I'll send you... I'll share this image with you.
1: Well, so this is, I mean, this is great and it's perfect because it actually segues into your newest book, Mm -hmm. Travel Light, Spiritual Minimalism to Live a More Fulfilled Life. So when you were starting to be nomadic, because even, you know, in your book, that first kind of intro chapter of you kind of moving to Mexico City Mm -hmm. and, you know, the light's not working, take us through... Because some people are probably listening to this thinking, okay, I probably want to go nomadic or I've never done that. Or maybe they're in between relationships or friendships or jobs and they like want to get on this new path for themselves and they do want to shed. Can you kind of shed light on all of that and kind of the processes in each of those.
0: Yeah. So the subtitle of the book, Travel Light, is Spiritual Minimalism to Live a More Fulfilled Life. And I talk about my experiences with shedding things and um, and how I eventually scaled down to just a backpack. Okay. That's where we are today is I just have a backpack, wow. really a day pack with a few items. Like This is my only pair of pants right here that I have. Wow. And this is one of maybe three t-shirts and that I just took off my one pair of shoes that yeah. I have. And so I only have one of pretty much everything except for underwear and T-shirts, mm-hmm. one pair of shorts. But I'm also very clear in the book yeah. that that is my journey for now. That was something that was on my heart to do that,
1: mm-hmm. to
0: purge whatever I needed to purge. Yeah. And the whole concept of spiritual minimalism is to create spaciousness internally through your inner practices like meditation Mm -hmm. or stillness practices or gratitude practices. And as a byproduct of that, you'll be able to get rid of whatever emotional baggage or internal clutter Mm -hmm. that may be holding you back from doing your version of that, which may be starting a podcast or Mm -hmm. writing your first book or, Mm. you know, starting that cooking club you've been thinking about or, you know, just something where you kind of have to commit yourself. Right. And anytime you commit yourself, it's like you're painting yourself into a corner priority wise, Mm -hmm. because you're saying that I'm going to intentionally move in this direction here. And even though these other directions are all, they seem nice and they're glittery and they're attractive, but it's not the direction that my heart wants me to go in. Mm -hmm. And that takes some sacrifice. You have to give up some things in order to move in that direction. And I think that's where we get stuck because we don't want to give up things. We don't want to let go of the things that we think we need. And it could be an old, outdated belief system. It could be a toxic relationship that mm-hmm. we think we need in order and you know about that from your book mm-hmm. in order to be fulfilled or have the american dream or whatever our idea of success happens to be or it could just be some other kind of you know friendship dynamic that's no longer serving us mm-hmm. so once we create the spaciousness internally it's not going to be easy but we'll have a less difficult time to let go of those things so that we can channel our energy and our focus into the thing that's really lighting us up inside, which is usually some aspect of service.
1: So now... How do you actually feel about those who hoard and what is like the metaphysics behind the hoarding or the saving or the, you know, you go to your mom's house and she's got all of the things and maybe even you are like, okay, I'm going to save this. I'm going to save that. I don't want to let this thing go. I'm not going to let this website go because I'm going to try it again. Mm -hmm. It didn't work this one time, but maybe I'll give it a chance again in the next year how do we go through that process in our mind and our heart to actually let go?
0: I think everybody's situation is a little different, but you could also argue that clinging to stuff could be some form of a trauma response where maybe someone was abandoned in their past and they don't want to have that experience again, or they didn't have you know security in some way and they don't want to have that experience again. I heard a story about this one person, this this woman who wrote a book on minimalism. And then she told me a story on my podcast about some guy she interviewed who got into these arguments with his wife because he used so much dishwashing liquid to wash the dishes.
1: Mm.
0: And she goes, you know, why do you keep using so much dishwashing liquid? And after they peeled back the layers, come to find out when he was a child, they couldn't afford you know, mm. dishwashing liquid. So that he always, they always had to water it down. And anyway, he vowed to himself, when I get older and I get established, I'm going to use all the dishwashing liquid I want. And I'm never going to have to worry about running out of dishwashing liquid mm. because it was such a thing right. in their house. So, you know, is it inherently good? Is it inherently bad? I think it's neither. It just really depends on Are you feeling like you can access more of your potential? If there are stories that you keep telling yourself or you keep telling other people about what you want to do, but you're not doing it Mm -hmm. because you're holding on to all this other stuff or you're hoarding things or you're hoarding experiences or you're hoarding stories and beliefs about yourself, because it can go beyond physical items. Totally. Then that's something to take a look at. And so the spiritual minimalism approach is if you're going to become more minimalist in any part of your life. Mm -hmm. It starts from the inside. So it's an inside out process. It's not about, let me get rid of my couch and the old blender and in hopes of feeling more Zen inside. Right. Sure. You will feel a little bit peaceful for maybe a week, but Mm -hmm. then eventually you're going to revert back to whatever your baseline level of happiness or misery or boredom or anxiety was. But if we can do that, internally, if we can clear out the internal clutter, then that's where we can actually move the needle in terms of our inner state of fulfillment. Mm
1: -hmm. And that's really where we're all trying to get to.
0: Yeah. But a lot of us are trying to achieve our way to that place Mm -hmm. instead of looking at it where it actually resides, which is inside of us. So that's why the first step in spiritual minimalism is to meditate. (laughs) Yes. Give them the the minimalist approach to meditation.
1: So can you take us through the minimalist approach to meditation? Because (laughs) I know for a lot of the mamas listening to this, Uh I was literally at a weekend girls, like a birthday party thing this past weekend. And one of our friends who was an empty nester, much older, had their kids you know, around that age and now empty nester. They can meditate for 45 minutes, two hours. I'm guessing that's probably... Is that your practice?
0: No, I'm very much minimalist when it comes to meditation. 15, 20 minutes. Really? Yeah. 15,
1: 20 minutes.
0: 100%, yeah. Okay. So the minimalist approach... You know, when we look at the research,
1: mm-hmm.
0: the research shows that the only three things you need, I would even scale down to two things. The only two things you need to access the bliss, if you will, with mm-hmm. meditation is you need to have a comfortable seat, yep, which means you want to have back support okay. and you want to have a relaxed attitude,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which means you're not focusing on your breath, you're not focusing on the white light. You're not focusing on the thoughts like clouds in the sky, which kind of flies in the face of the conventional instruction that we oftentimes hear, which is focus on something. But you actually want to be more passive than that. So then the question is, okay, well, what about my mind? It's so busy. I'm going to start thinking about dinner and to-do lists. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: The minimalist approach is that's great. Think about dinner. Think about your to-do list. Spend the Mm -hmm. whole meditation thinking about your to-do list Mm -hmm. or thinking about the conversation you had last week. Don't look at it as a distraction. Look at it as your mind is now given an opportunity to go free range to wherever it wants to go, unrestricted. And when you change your orientation to your mind in that way, what'll happen, surprisingly, is that the mind becomes more settled on its own. Hmm. If you try to resist those thoughts, that's where you create the monkey mind effect, where right. it feels like the mind is super busy. Right. So that's it. Just do those two things. And yeah, you can use your breath as an anchor point if you want it to, but I don't even think that's necessary. If you have the proper relationship with the mind, which is a friendly relationship, seeing it as an ally, as opposed to the enemy, like a lot of people do, they see mm-hmm. their mind as something they have to fight and battle with.
1: Right, that you meditation. want to clear all the thoughts.
0: Yeah, you have to clear the thoughts. I'm not supposed to be thinking about, you know, um, the song that I heard on the radio, or I'm not supposed to be thinking about whatever you're thinking about. And just go the other way with that and just treat it like this is exactly what's supposed to be happening. And This is mm-hmm. great. And just let the mind roam around. Mm-hmm. And you'll see that the mind will actually settle on its own.
1: So because you've trained thousands of Uh people in meditation and you are like one of the pioneer celebrity meditation teachers as well. And so what have you seen with your students all across the board from, you know, super busy folks to folks who are just getting started and... What do you think the factor is for somebody to like continue and stay consistent on their meditation practice after you've taught them?
0: In order to be consistent in our modern age, you need one thing. One thing needs to be there. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: You have to enjoy it.
1: Hmm. If you
0: don't enjoy it, you're going to come up with some very important sounding reasons why you don't have time to meditate. Hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Oh, I got to go pick up the kids. Oh, I just, (laughs) i am got to make dinner. Oh, I got to get ready for this. Oh, I have to do that. All important sounding reasons Mm -hmm. because we're good at doing that. Yeah. We don't want to sound like we're lazy. We don't want to just say to ourselves, Oh, I don't want to meditate because I just don't want to do it. I just don't want to sit there and be bored or whatever the feeling is. So we come up with, you know, everyone's busy. I'm busy. And what are they busy doing, really? When you really take an inventory of people's days, it's true. People are busy on social media, scrolling, scrolling yeah. You know, flipping through magazines, watching TV, and they're busy. They're busy doing these things because they enjoy them. They're mm-hmm. entertaining for whatever reason. They're entertaining mm-hmm. for that person. So we need to get meditation out of the chore category, out of the floss your teeth, clean out the gutters, yeah. wash the baseboards category, <laughs> and into the I get to category with playing with... Puppies and having right. brunch, and you know, and doing yoga if you really like to do yoga, and drinking coffee. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, people
0: wake up in the morning and they'll rearrange their whole morning around getting their coffee.
1: Mm-hmm. We need to get
0: meditation into that category. And the way you do that is you have to practice it without too many restrictions mm-hmm. so that you can increase the enjoyability factor. And when you do that, yeah, people wake up excited about it. And that was my experience, and that's why I got called to teach it. Yeah, Because I wanted to give other people that experience as well.
1: And are you also giving people mantras?
0: Not in the book, because I don't think the mantra is actually necessary. Yeah. The, the book is giving people just the minimal,
1: mm-hmm.
0: this the is a bare minimal, so what you need in order to get to a point where you actually look forward to meditating.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, there's much more to it than that. I mean, I spend hours and hours and hours in these trainings with people. Yeah. But that's an experience people can have if they start with that.
1: So start with the book first. Yeah. And
0: if you feel like, okay, this actually works for me, then maybe you go to Bliss More, which is my meditation book.
1: Such a good book, by the way. Which is all about such a good book. that
0: approach to meditation. And if you yeah. try that and you like it, then maybe you come and get a mantra from me or something like that.
1: And we'll link... Both of those books in the sure. show notes as well, and I feel like your meditation training, because that's that's yeah. huge. Yeah, it that's is. That's huge. How many days is it usually?
0: It's two to four days, depending on the time of year and where I'm teaching. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's very high touch. It's not cheap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But it's very effective for helping people because we really get into the details, the finer points of meditation.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, honestly, I I wish I knew about your meditation training You know, 11 years ago when I got out of my biggest breakup and divorce and kind of hitting rock bottom. And I know a lot of times when people are coming to the brave table, they are in that season of transition. They're going through a divorce, they're empty nesters Mm -hmm. or they just had a baby and they kind of want to focus on doing that thing for themselves And I feel like you've just given us permission to, all right, start with chapter one, get the book. But I feel like also it's one of those things where when you're on a path, then I feel like we want to know more and more. Mm. And that's where, you know, for me, I was like, all right, I want to take every single meditation retreat, yoga retreat, because now we're in that focus and that mode of like pouring into ourselves. Can I pop in for just 30 seconds left? it's official it's finally here my long-awaited eight week that sucked now what group coaching immersion is Finally here. Whether you are healing from a breakup, going through some sort of sucky moment, I would love, love to invite you on an interactive journey where for the first time, I'm opening doors for a healing circle while incorporating deep concepts from my best-selling and five-time award-winning book so that in eight weeks, you can embrace what sucked and soar into the next chapter of your life alongside an incredible connected community. Brave Table fam, I could not be more excited to have you part of the Founders School. So head over to... That sucked, now .com forward slash wait list to sign up and we will tell you all of the juicy deets. Now back to the show. So I want to get back into, you know, chapter two, you kind of talk about how to split test your heart voice. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about what you mean by that?
0: Okay. So when you get your meditation practice up and running, you will start to notice that you hear more, you have a stronger connection with your heart. You know, people say follow your heart. But mm-hmm. then a lot of people say, well, I don't know what my heart is saying. Mm. So that's because you haven't been doing a lot of inner work. So you have more of a dial-up connection.
1: Remember yeah. dial-up? Oh, yeah. Internet
0: connections from back Shout in the day? Shout out AOL. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so you can get thrown off really easily. Yeah. And so when broadband came about, it solved that pain point. And meditation creates a broadband connection To your heart, to your heart voice. And your heart is your umbilical cord to your spirit. Mm -hmm. So anything your spirit wants to communicate about your life journey, it'll send it through your heart. Mm -hmm. And then your heart will relay it to every other place. And then you get this feeling when you're considering a certain possibility that makes you feel expansive. If it's Mm -hmm. aligned with your heart. Or if it's not, it'll make you feel a little bit contracted. Mm-hmm. Like you're going to have to play small, or you're going to have to sacrifice part of your integrity in order to go in that direction. Yeah. And so when we are able to follow our heart voice more often, we find that it's not that we have certainty in our life, but we mm-hmm. find that we have more adventure in our life and less drama.
1: Mm-hmm. When
0: you ignore your heart voice, you end up having less adventure and more drama. And drama is just another word for saying chaos. You have more chaos. Mm -hmm. Things don't make sense. You're upside down. You don't know who you are anymore. Whereas adventure, it still can be exciting. And you still have a sense of anticipation. And you know very much where you are and who you are Mm -hmm. and which direction you're moving in. So most people, I think, would want more adventure in their life and less drama. But the, the only way to really do that is to follow your heart more. So the heart voice... When you first start tuning into it, it's not, they call it the still small voice. Mm. Oh, the still small. Because there's so many other louder voices in your awareness. Hmm. And here's the thing the louder voices don't really stop. You can't get rid of those voices. What you Mm -hmm. can do, though, is you can displace them. Hmm. So, what the stillness practice, the meditation does, is it helps to displace the louder voices with. Turning up the volume on your heart voice. Mm. And I say you don't want the heart voice to be a still small voice. You want it to be a loud, annoying voice. Yep. Because that's really the only way you're going to pay attention to it and take action on it. It's true. If it sounds like your roommate, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like your college roommate, if you didn't pay the bills or something like that and it was your responsibility, they'll let you know. And if you try to like sneak out of it, they're going to stop you. Because they don't have any shame because, you know, it affects their life too. So you want the heart voice to be like, hey, you have to do the right thing.
1: Mm. This
0: is not an option anymore. Being in this relationship is not going to work for you. Stop being stupid.
1: Follow that heart voice.
0: (laughs) Yeah. If it's like, oh, you have to do the right thing. And these other voices like, yeah, yeah, go do it. You can do it. You can't hear it. And you're not going to take it that seriously. So split testing is just an internet marketing uh, term for following the voice you think
1: mm-hmm. is your heart voice, mm-hmm.
0: and then seeing how it turns out. Does it make you feel expansive? Does it make you feel more adventurous? Or does it create more chaos? And so now you know, okay, that's not the heart voice because there are patterns. So that's, that voice probably is telling you to do other things. We're starting quality. to see the patterns. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then you follow this other voice that you think is your heart voice. And if, you've, if it feels expansive, then that's a better indication that Okay, maybe that's it. Maybe that's the heart voice. So I start doing more of that.
1: (sighs) So good.
0: But no one can tell you which one is your heart voice. Only you can determine it for yourself. That's why you have to split test it. You have to be okay with making mistakes.
1: And what I'm even hearing is like, you know, because I'm all about like really cultivating that notch of our intuition. And I think a lot of times, I feel like it's what you're saying is like following your heart, but it's also it is that inner voice that gets louder and louder and louder and louder. Yeah. So good. So take us through the meditative power of flannering. <laughs> what is flannering, by the way? Because it's an 18th century French term.
0: Yeah, it means aimless walking. Okay. The way the French pronounces flannuring. Flannuring.
1: Flannuring. Flannuring. Yeah.
0: It's aimless walking and, you know, walking is having a moment right now. Everyone's mm-hmm. like talking about getting their steps and tracking Get their steps. steps in. That's
1: true. Walking and, is getting a big moment. You're right. And,
0: and what's great about it is that it's a way that you can actually also tune into your heart voice. Because when you're walking, obviously a lot of times we have a destination in mind, but flaneuring is intentionally going for a walk without a very rigid plan. Mm -hmm. Like you obviously know you're going to leave and then you're going to come back maybe at a certain time, but the path itself doesn't have to be so rigid. And what we tend to do is we tend to go along the same path Mm -hmm. that we usually take because we know it. We don't have to think very much. And flaneuring is an invitation to just kind of go with the flow more Mm -hmm. and see where your heart, if if you normally take a right at this particular path, Maybe take a left this time and just see what your heart is saying. If your heart says, go into this shop and take a look around, even though you may not like whatever the thing is that they sell, follow that. If your heart says, say hi to someone you pass, follow that. And just uh, stop and smell the flowers, follow that. And yeah, and it's just a way to kind of be present, which I guess is a part of a walking meditation practice. Mm -hmm. Be present, be immersed in the environment, see what you can observe. See what things are communicating with you. Maybe mm-hmm. you feel like nature is communicating with you in some way. You may get a solution to a problem that you have in your life from mm-hmm. being out there and, and walking around. But it's really just about being open to the possibilities.
1: Mm. Aimless walking. Mm-hmm. flanoring And... When you started this practice, what have you seen or maybe some of the changes in your students in their aimless walking? Because I know when I'm aimlessly walking, can't do that right here, right now in Texas where we're actually filming this. Mm -hmm. But... It's, I mean, I just get so many creative gems and I have so much more ideas and I get so lit up. And so I'm just curious. What
0: One of my favorite things to do is to pull out my phone and take a photo of things. Like when mm-hmm. I get inspired by the way the light is striking this particular plant or uh, a building that seems very inspiring to me, I'll just stop and I'll just take a picture of it so I can mm-hmm. capture the moment. And yeah, and just kind of, I like I love people watching. That's one of my favorite things to do. So if I find an area where you can do a lot of people watching, I'll usually stop and do a bit of that. I love cafes. I mean, I'm basing myself in Mexico City right now, Mm -hmm. and it's perfect for flanuring. It's amazing because everyone's out walking. Yeah, and there's so many little paths and places you can get lost but still be safe. And I'm, by the way, I'm not suggesting people do this in the hood. Like you have to be in the safe environment. Don't go to the favela and start flanuring in, in Brazil or somewhere. Like you want to make sure you feel safe. That's a part of the experience that nothing's going to happen to you that's harmful. And again, listen to your intuition, listen to your heart mm-hmm. voice. It won't guide you to situations that aren't going to harm you. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times when we do find ourselves in a, you know, turned around in a dramatic or chaotic situation, when we trace the steps back, we had a feeling. Mm-hmm. We usually had a feeling that we ignored, yeah. you know?
1: Yeah. Going yeah. to some
0: party with some kind of dark figures.
1: Mm. We had a mm-hmm.
0: feeling like, oh, this. I don't know if I should be here, mm-hmm. but we ignore it yep. or we drink stuff that makes us numb to that feeling and we find ourselves getting into some pretty sticky situations. Mm-hmm. So trust your heart voice. And that's what it's about, learning how to trust it.
1: That's so good. Now... I mean, it's so beautifully set up. And I love the graphics, by the way, because I don't know if you guys can see this here for YouTube Mm. fam, but all of the graphics, it seems like there's like letters written Mm -hmm. in between the chapters. And this is a pretty light, obviously light, easy to read. Book and I have the audiobook, but I have now the you know the hardcover. Yeah. I highly suggest anybody to pick up the hardcover because there's so many incredible juicy morsels. What is I your... wanted
0: it to feel like a journal? So it has actual photos from my travels throughout no the years. Way. Like that's an actual journal page.
1: From yours.
0: Oh, yeah, mine, yeah. Oh, you
1: have really good handwriting. Of
0: a trip that I describe in the book. So all the elements of those stories are found in those illustrations and I got this really wonderful illustrator out of Germany to bring it all to life.
1: Beautiful. So tell me how the book is actually structured or for anybody that's kind of like in their life right now, how is it structured? It's
0: choose your own adventure. Okay. So again, it's a way to follow your heart. So mm-hmm. you, you know, it's I put it together in the way that I like to experience books. And I think a lot of people, at least initially, you know, Mm -hmm. you pick up a book. The first thing you do is usually you just crack it open somewhere in the middle. You kind of thumb around a little bit, see what catches your eye. If anything catches your eye, usually what catches your eye is a story. Mm -hmm. So it's a bunch of short stories, anecdotes, vignettes, some illustrations, tying it all together. And yeah, the instruction is just whatever your eye lands on that seems inspiring, just read that and you don't have to read it from cover to cover. It's not written to be read from cover to cover, although you could if you really wanted to.
1: These are my favorite books because not only are they so small and tiny, it can fit in like my purse, but it's just you open up. So I'm on... Page 75, principle three, Mm -hmm. no throwaway moments. Everyone you meet has a divine gift for you. Your job is to discover what that gift is. Mm -hmm. And you talk about chance encounters. So can you tell us what was the meaning behind this chapter?
0: Yeah, I tell a story about how I had this girlfriend in New York back in my modeling days and I would gotten her into yoga. So I remember I said I got into Mm -hmm. yoga in New York And I had this yoga teacher that I really liked And then she came home one day And she says, you know, I got this yoga teacher at my gym On the Upper East Side that I really like You should come to the class And I was like, I don't really want to go to the Upper East Side To be honest with you I just, I like my thing over on the West Side And she goes, well, you really would like it I I think you should come Mm -hmm. And so she starts doing the thing that, you know partners doing relationships, trying to persuade the other person to do the thing that they like. And I'm just like, what time is the class? 6 p.m. Oh my God. It's like high rush hour time. It's going to take me an hour to get over there on the bus. So I just was dragging my feet for weeks and weeks and weeks. And then finally she didn't let up and I just broke down and said, okay, fine, I'll come to your class. And I got to the class and she was right. It was a fantastic yoga class. Mm -hmm. I really loved it. The teacher although i didn't really see him because it was a dark room but he had this australian accent he left an impression on me but i never mm. went back mm. because it was just so inconvenient to get there so cut to two or three years later she and i break up and we live in the same area we both live in harlem and i was just like devastated and it was my first real like heartbreak mm. and i just had to get out of new york that was the catalyst For me, finally taking the leap of faith and moving to Los Angeles. Ah. Even though, you know, I had told myself I wanted to move to L.A., I just didn't have the courage to pull it all together to do it until she and I broke up. So Mm. I had no choice at that point. I just couldn't stand to be in the neighborhood and be reminded of her endlessly. So anyways, I'm in L.A. now, took the leap of faith, happy I did it. I purged everything that I had in New York. And within about a week, Mm -hmm. I decided, okay, this is the time to finally get into this yoga thing. I'm going to become a yoga teacher, even though I could barely touch my own toes. (laughs) (laughs) And I go to this yoga class in LA and ends up being the same guy from New York.
1: Oh, wow. He was teaching the class. Oh, my goodness.
0: And I went up to him. Because I didn't see him, but I heard him. He had he had an Australian accent, so I wasn't 100% sure. And I said, did I take your class in New York one time a few years ago? He goes, yeah, I remember you. I was like, how do you remember me?
1: Uh... I
0: had a crush on your girlfriend. So when she brought you, I was disappointed. And that's how I remember you. And he and I connected. We became really good friends. And then he became my meditation friend. And then Long story short, he's the one that introduced me to my meditation teacher.
1: Oh, no way. Who got me to become
0: a meditation teacher. Mm. So the point is that there are no throwaway moments Mm -hmm. and that everyone who you meet, you know, you're not meeting people just randomly and arbitrarily. Like everyone is either gifting you with some insight, some Mm -hmm. wisdom, showing you what not to do. Mm -hmm. You know, we're all each other's teachers in some way. And instead of getting caught up in the character flaws of the teacher which is what we tend to do. We wanna pay attention to the lessons and try to be present to that.
1: So big, so big. And for anyone that is you know, having those chance encounters, we're inviting you to listen to what's on your heart and what are those lessons. Mm-hmm. And gosh, Light, like, we can keep going on and on. And I know your time is so precious. <laughs> And before we kind of round up in our igniting round, where can we get the book? Where can we get connected with you? I know you are all over.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, the book is available everywhere. And my sort of hub is my website, lightwatkins.com. And on the socials, I'm at at lightwatkins. Awesome. L-I-G-H-T.
1: L-I-G-H-D. Well, Travel Light, this is one of those books that you must pick up. Pick up for a friend, a family member, get it for your team. I mean, this is one of those books that I feel like you probably want to do in community. And it's so much better to do it when yeah. you're with other people. Mm-hmm. All right. So now let's get into our igniting round.
0: All right. I don't know what that is, but I'm excited. All
1: right, let's go. <laughs> what does it mean to be brave in this stage and season of life?
0: Bravery means... Giving yourself permission to follow your curiosity without shame. Hmm. I think that's one of the things that can help lead us to our purpose faster than anything else. Just doing what we feel curious about. And the reason we don't do it is because we're afraid of what people are going to think about us. So if we can get beyond that, then we are truly acting in bravery.
1: So good what are some of the practices? It could be books, podcasts, Mm -hmm. music. What are some of the practices that are elevating you right now?
0: Mm. Well, I intentionally practice gratitude Mm. very, very often. And I think without that, I wouldn't be nearly as present as I'm able to be. So the other thing I've been doing since 2016 as I write a daily dose of inspiration email, which requires me to find some inspirational story every day to share with my subscribers. And it's interesting because while I didn't intend for this to happen, but it's hard for me to have a bad day, honestly, hmm. because I've trained myself to look for the silver lining in everything because everything could be a potential <laughs> story that I could write about.
1: That's so great. And I am actually on your mailing list. Are you? Yes. Nice. It's the Daily daily
0: Dose of Inspiration.
1: But oh, what's the URL? So I, we it's can just put it like, in the...
0: you can sign up at lightwalkins. Lightwalkins. com. Yeah. Okay. Slash daily.
1: Daily. Okay. Daily mm-hmm. Dose. All right. We'll put that in the show notes as well. Mm -hmm. Last question. What is one word that describes this season of life?
0: Ooh, expansive. Yeah. Expansive.
1: All the goodies. Mm -hmm. Wow. You are a light. And I mean, as I'm sure people share and say, your gifts, your wisdom with all of your books... Such an honor to sit with you and for you to come here in Austin in our little abode to share your wisdom. And I know this is going to help so, so many people. So folks, go ahead, grab the book, follow light. If you're inspired, sign up for the meditation course that I wish I had 11 years ago because you're so great at it. And what a gift. So thank you for pouring into our community.
0: Thank you for having me. I'm honored.
1: We'll see you soon. All right, until next time on The Brave Table. All right, fam. Welcome back to The Other Side. Go ahead, follow him right now on Instagram at Light Watkins. Please be sure to get his book, Travel Light. It is honestly a read that is so easy. I would get the audiobook, but I would also get the actual physical book. You can get it anywhere books are sold. And I've linked it below in the show notes for you to make it a quick and easy grab. And you can catch my episode with Light. He is an incredible interviewer. And our episode was like two hours. It was the longest episode I'd ever done. And he goes into immense detail. So go ahead and listen to our podcast. It is linked below. Also in the show notes, I think you'll really love it. And if you've loved loved this episode, I know you are going to grab episode 128, Breathwork is a Gift to Yourself with Samantha Skelly. And Episode 78, Gene Key's Human Design and the Power of Self-Awareness in Personal Transformation with Victoria Fenton. And episode 56, Jason Neimer, How to Move, Connect, and Play and Cultivate Trust with Acro Yoga. Well, friends, it is so good to connect with you here. And as we are winding down and thinking of next year's podcast, I would love, love if you share just one or two things that you've loved about this going up forward. And if you'd like to make any guest suggestions, you can go ahead and nominate them, track and making incredible more content for you to help you become brave in your life, in your actions and in your relationships. And feel free to share this with a friend, a colleague, a bestie, let them know how they can be brave in their lives. I will see you soon. Thank you so, so much for tuning in. Always. Always.